0: it's always my intent uh, when I write to, to kind of look at life as like a table. And then I kind of look and I see okay, who's not, who's not at the table and who can we kind of squish in to make room for. And, and then not only that, when we do get people at the table, like who, who maybe isn't comfortable raising their hand or comfortable speaking. And then, and can I do that? Right. Can I be brave? And can I say things that may be, Maybe other people wouldn't feel comfortable saying, um, because of they're scared of the reaction, or they're scared to, to kind of admit to, to having those feelings too. And so, um, that means a lot that that comes across in the way I write. So thank you. That's that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Wow. Oh man, that's awesome. That's a cool way to, always approach any conversation. Yeah. I'm yeah. gonna keep that in mind. Yeah. Y'all, can we just talk about why I always clap and say, ready, okay, like I'm cheering or something in high school? Ah, oh, seriously, I think I start every interview that way. It's super ridiculous and I can't stop. I don't know how to start a conversation without a ready, set, okay, clap, and I, y'all, I don't know. It's like seriously one time in church I looked over and was completely for real being laughed at by these other people friends but still because I was like clapping along with the worship music like I was a cheerleader you know like elbows tight and in, in position with my hands. Um, it's so weird y'all I mean I'm just so weird all the time. Welcome to the Ash and Ivy show. I am so thrilled to have Jamie Klein on the show today. She is spectacular. She's a boss mom, a boss wife. Her daughter's name is Callie. She's 12. Not on the show today, but I have a feeling one day that girl's going to be on this show because I've got to talk to her. She is power. Uh, You are in for a treat today. Jamie shares about facing the unexpected with the delivery of her baby girl, Callie, but extraordinary. I mean, she knows how to find the beauty while navigating those hard spaces, and I know that your heart... Will be filled with compassion today i also hope that you're challenged to not only see the beauty in your own story but in those around you you know just stop and look for the beauty in the life of your neighbor and point it out to them like there's so much power in life in your words and we can be given life to others so listen today i encourage you to grab your best pen some lovely paper and just spend some time soaking in the goodness of the father Let your mind wander, pour out your heart to the Father, and let him fill you with truth. Because you know what? You are extraordinary. You are made for life. Oh, so good. Okay, guys, I have two one-on-one coaching spots open for June. And we'll be uh, restarting, restarting and starting the Rewrite Your Story course again soon. So grab your spots. I love you, mean it. Let's enjoy our time today with
0: Jamie. My name's Jamie. Um I'll do a real kind of 30,000 foot overview and then we can kind of dig in on some of the the stuff that I touch on, but I'm um I always identify first as a mom. Um so I'm a, I'm a mama. Um I um I'm a people leader at a very large medical uh device company. I'm a I'm a wife, I've been uh, married to my husband for 13 years. And um, I've also uh, been diagnosed with type one diabetes since I was three years old. So 30 plus years with type one, I'm a cancer survivor. Um, And then I'm also, like I said, I'm a mom, my little girl, she has a uh, lower limb amputation. So she walks with a prosthetic leg and um, she also has a, a chronic heart condition. So, um, that's me in a nutshell. So I (laughs) got a
1: lot happening
0: every time I unpack that. I'm like, do I keep going or do I pause to let people like kind of keep up with me? It's a lot when you kind of say it out loud, um, (laughs) a lot for me to kind of comprehend sometimes too, when I say it out loud, um, because I'm kind of used to it now, but when you take a, take a step back and you look at, um, how all of those things can can impact you and how even one of those things is tough to deal with. And then you, you kind of factor in all of those things. It's a, it's a, it's a perfectly imperfect life for sure.
1: Yeah. And I mean, all of those things have created who you are and, and seem to have given you voice and purpose and reason to really reach out to others. How do you feel like you use all of them in that way?
0: Yeah. I mean, you you absolutely hit the nail on the head. So, um, growing up as somebody that was, was different, obviously with, with type one diabetes, it's a, it's a completely different experience, um, than somebody that's somewhat healthier. Um, you have, uh, a disease that you're managing 24, seven and 365 days a year that takes all of your mental capacity and so um I've always found myself kind of advocating in that space and speaking out for people in that space and I think that I think that whoever you believe in god a higher power um I think he knew that going into it and that's why he picked myself and my husband for the parents of Callie because I had that background and I had that background in advocacy and I had that background in kind of being an underdog. Um, And so when Callie was born um, prior to that, I'd kind of hid a little bit of my diabetes at times because I didn't want to always be um, kind of the odd one out. I didn't want to be different at times. And so there were periods in my life where I struggled with it, where I, where I just hit it and hit my pump and hit my CGM. And, and then when she was born, that, that flipped completely on its axis because now I had this little girl that, um, that had a, a six inch scar on her chest and that would, when she was two, um, underwent a lower limb amputation and would be walking with a prosthetic leg. And so for me, at that point it was like, okay, you you have to model this being strong, being confident in who you are, being capable in all of your abilities, and being an advocate for yourself, not only for you, right? For yourself, but for this little girl too, because she's watching you. She's watching what you do and she she's gonna see how you react to things and how you react to hard things and how you react to, Getting knocked down time and time again, and um, at that point, it, that's that's kind of where it, it took a turn for me. And I'm like, okay, I've got a, I've got a very interesting background. <laughs> I've got a very, you know, a lot of a lot of different things um, that I've gone through in my life. And so, I know I'm not the only one out there with that and with those challenges. And um, we kind of started to think like, what can we do to to speak more out on these type of topics and, and share our story more because um, what if some of the things that we're going through, other people are going through too? And what if we're a little bit ahead on the path and we can kind of turn around and shine a light for the people behind us? And so that's where um, that advocacy and that speaking out and that sharing our story kind of came from is, is really, with Callie and, in her birth and, um, kind of finding my footing as, as her mom.
1: Yeah. Do you want to tell about her birth at all or her experience?
0: Yeah. yeah. So we, um, so my, uh, pregnancy with her was very, I mean, my doctor was thrilled with it. I mean, my diabetes was well under control. He was so happy with how my numbers were. And so, um, you guys can ima- kind of imagine our surprise when, uh, she was born and they, they immediately whisked her away to, to the, the NICU because, um, she was having complications with her heart. And, um, they told us a few hours later that she was going to have to have open heart surgery because she had, uh, what's called Tetralogy of Fallot. So it's, very easily explanation is one of her valves did not work properly. And then she also had a small hole in her heart and they were gonna have to patch that and replace her valve out. And so um, we were reeling after that diagnosis and um, they don't let you obviously kind of go home after that procedure. <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the NICU for a very long time after uh, open heart surgery for a little baby. And so we were, we were recovering in the NICU and the the doctor comes in and he tells us that they'd noticed one of her bones in her leg was kind of abnormal. And so at at this point, we hadn't even noticed. Um, We were still trying to kind of keep our head above water during the recovery and the the healing process. And um, I mean, she had 10 fingers and 10 toes and I mean, as far as we were concerned, she was perfect and the most beautiful thing we'd ever seen. So when they told us that one of her leg bones was shorter than the other one, we were kind of surprised. Um, and then they told us we were going to send in a specialist to talk to us about it. And um, he walked in and he took a look at her chart and um, kind of looked at the part where it said maternal health history, which is my medical health And, um, he gets to the part where it says that, uh, I had type one diabetes and he looks at me and he goes, oh, you have type one. And so I, you know, I looked at him and I said, yeah, I have type one. I think I even remember gesturing to my insulin pump at that point. And, uh, he says, oh, well, that's why she has all these issues then. And so, um, I mean, as a mom, you, I mean, you can imagine how gut-wrenching that would be to, to hear somebody say that, especially a, a medical professional that's supposed to be a, a healer and um, supposed to help people. Um, and he didn't know that my entire life I'd been told I wasn't going to be able to have a baby. I wasn't going to be able to, to carry one full term because of my diabetes. And so um, to hear that was like gut-wrenching. And I still kind of hear it when I have a bad day. But um, there was... We ended up going with a different doctor, obviously, after that, but the the doctors were right and um, Callie was missing part of her bones in her lower leg. So we had to make a, I mean, a a terrible decision. You you have two horrible choices to pick from. Um, One was do a bunch of surgeries where they broke and stretched and broke and stretched her bones to try and fashion like a viable leg for her um or we could do an amputation surgery when she was little and get her fitted for a prosthetic leg and she would grow up being a little bit different but still have a shot at a normal childhood and so um it's not something that you like flip a coin to pick or <laughs> you yeah. you um kind of just willy-nilly make a decision on it you we we prayed on it. We met with so many specialists. We met with families um, that had undergone the similar procedures that had had amputations done. And so, um, at the end of the day, we wanted to give her the absolute best shot at a normal childhood, the best shot. And for us, um, doing that, doing the amputation and the prosthetic was it for us. And so, when she was two, um, right before she was two. We ended up doing that and she got fit for her very first prosthetic leg. And it was like, we were so good. They, they made it like hot pink and it had sparkles on it. And we called it her, her princess leg. And so I don't think
1: I've seen yeah, have
0: you pictures so, of baby Callie. Yeah, I need to, I need to share some of those. Cause they, yeah. I mean, they did such a good job with it. And the, I just can't speak highly enough about the hospital. They um understandably there's so much, from a grief and a um just a mental exhaustion that you're going through during that time and you have to navigate that new life that you're stepping into and so the hospital was so fantastic they gave her a little stuffed animal that also had a bandage on after they did the amputation and so that little bunny was like her little recovery bunny and he he had his stitches taken out and he had his little wrap done. And so when I think back on that experience, like I'm so grateful to them because that little bunny, like helped us kind of enter that conversation with her and kind of yeah. talk with her. And it's like, I would have been fumbling all over myself to try and explain all of these things to a two-year-old, um, yeah. in a, in a, in an impactful and a graceful and a But I mean, thank God for that bunny. (laughs) I'm telling you, we would have been lost without that bunny. But Had, um, Had
1: Callie been able to walk before the surgery? No,
0: she, they tried to fashion, um, a couple braces and, um, lifts in her shoe, but the difference between her legs was so marked that she wasn't able to. And so, um, there's a, there's a recovery period after you go through an amputation before you can actually get fitted. Cause I have to wait for the swelling to go down and, um, all of that fun stuff for you to heal before they actually fit you for your leg. And so, um, they, they told us to book out about a week in the hospital and that's how long they were going to forecast needing to teach her how to walk. And, um, she was a learned
1: week, her- one week,
0: a week, what? but She, she was ready to go after two days at the, at the end of the first day. They're like, we don't, we don't really need to see her probably tomorrow. She's doing really good. I don't know. Yes. So she, she taught herself to walk in about a day and a half and and would have been like ready to roll on that second day, but they were just being like kind of cautious (laughs) with us, you know, like we we think she's doing great, but Yeah. (laughs) So we got our, like I said, our proverbial feet under her and she she just took off, which is when you're a, when you're a parent of a, of a child with disability, you, you tend to measure things differently than other parents. And so it was, it was always really hard for me to look at like first steps or, um, that type of thing when my friend's kids would do them because I would always kind of look at it and go, when's my, when's our time going to happen? Right. When is, when are we going to get to have our first steps? And so, um, those first steps were worth it. It's one of those where I'm like, okay, I I see why we had to kind of wade through that mess to get to these first steps and they were, they were worth it. So
1: I hope that that experience was a healing space for your for your mama heart I mean yes a confirmation that you made the right choice yeah gave her such a great opportunity yeah oh man I would love to see pictures from that
0: yeah yeah I'll I'll send you some her her little legs are cute they're what's neat is they um not to like nerd out on everybody here (laughs) in They um, you can act, you customize them. So every time she gets a new leg, they tell us to pick like a pattern or to pick a fabric. And then um, we just send them the fabric and they laminate it. So huh. she picked on um, she actually picked, we picked the the first one. We kind of told them, you know, we want what, the theme we wanted. We wanted it to be special since it was her first one. And they surprised us with the the pink princess leg. And then um, her second one, she picked a Winnie the Pooh fabric and so she had like a poo bear leg and then she's done like um leopard print and mermaid print and so each leg is a is a big deal and she gets to weigh in on all of them and and make the decisions that that obviously impacts her she's going to be wearing it all the time so she gets to she's very much part of the design process which is cool how old is she now she's 12 now She's 12. We, I, we actually just celebrated her, her 10 year, 10 year surgery anniversary. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you guys are adventure seekers. I've noticed.
0: We are, we are. Um, It's important to me and but both myself and my husband that we don't, we don't ever tell her no. Let me, I mean, let me rephrase that. We tell her no all the time. Sure, <laughs> parenting. <laughs> parenting. Parenting. Parenting one-on-one. She gets told no all the time. But very much like the way my mom and dad raised me, um, my parents never told me no to something because of my diabetes. It was always like, let's figure out a way to do it, let's figure out a way to adapt something so that you can do it, let's figure out a way to modify something so you can do it. And so we kind of take the same approach with her on. Um, I mean, she rides horses, she swims, she dances, um, she loves like outdoor hiking, adventuring. Um, we live in Texas. So like I said, we're very like outdoorsy, but we don't, we don't tell her no, when it comes to that kind of stuff, it's, it's, let's figure out how we can do it. Let's, is there a different saddle we can get you for your horse? Is there a different, um, can we get you a prosthetic blade so you can run? Is there, um, is there a dance studio that's more inclusive that will let you, that will, you know, welcome us and embrace us? And, um, will the instructor work with us? That sort of thing. Um, so we, we're very conscious of that too.
1: Mm -hmm. Has that
0: been a challenge
1: finding places that are inclusive?
0: Um, her horse riding, no her, her horse riding stable that she goes to, they are a, uh, a therapeutic one. So they are, that's their core clientele. Um, dancing wise. Yes. There's a, there's a big difference between, um, going to the lessons and actually being able to participate. So, um, there were a couple we went to, um, that were not very accommodating for her. They, they let her go and, um, but they still expected her to do the exact same things that the other girls with two feet were doing. And that's just not physically possible. And so, um, there was one where they were like, well, we might not have her participate in the, in their little, uh, recital because she can't do what the other kids are doing. Um, which you can imagine we pulled her out of that studio real quick. Mm -hmm. And then, um, there've been other ones we tried it a couple times before finding the the place she dances at now, which is fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. They are, they welcomed her with opened arms. They asked me and Callie for feedback on how to make it better Mm -hmm. and how to um, make it more accommodating and make it more accessible. And um, they really, like I said, they really opened up their arms and welcomed her and she does it via zoom now because (laughs) We haven't been able to go in class, um, but we're we're on the horizon of being able to get her back into the studio, which is cool. But um, we have had challenges with that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Some of the posts that you've posted that just
1: I think really encouraged me um, is just the way you educate, but also um, leave a lot of space. Like it feels like you have so much grace for those who maybe aren't as familiar with things like that to navigate their language and ask questions and um, educating online is such a huge thing right now, you know? Yeah. And And I feel like so often I might read something and just feel this heaviness or this weight of I don't want to stay silent, but if I say something, it's going to be the wrong thing. And it's just this, it's hard to know how to navigate the language in, in today's issues. And I can remember the moment or the day that I read your post that really just gave such grace. And you were talking about, um, maybe these weren't your exact words, but it felt like you were saying, I'm not going to be quick to become offended at something Um, And I think you said, like, I asked myself, is that what they said? Or is that what I heard? And just, I just love your perspective and wanted to hear you talk about how you navigate the language of what, of your life and what you guys have gone through.
0: Yeah. Um, And I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. Social media navigation is like navigating a minefield now. I mean, (laughs) it no matter what you say somebody's going to take offense to it right and so and you also for me too like you said when you put something out there you're hoping that it resonates with some people mm-hmm. and then you you hope that also that it resonates with a lot of people um yeah. and so what i found is exactly like what you said it's it's is that what they said? Or is that what, is that what I heard? Because a lot of the times um that happens when I <laughs> bless my husband, thank goodness he's not here, but um <laughs> but that happens when he and I argue, I'm like, did he actually say that? Or am I just sure. kind of back to I'm cranky, I'm tired, I'm probably hungry. um, <laughs> I'm mad about something that happened last week that we're not even talking about, but I'm going to bring that up. Right. It's like, I constantly have to, to challenge myself to say, okay, what did, what did they actually say? What were the actual words that they said? Um, and then not only that, but what was the intent too? What's the, what's the intent? You can, you can tell a lot from people by their intent when they put things out, I feel like online. Um, and when we share things online about our, our life and our story, it's, it's, to, it's a safe space. It's our, our DMs and our message box and our comment section is a safe place to ask questions as long as they're coming from a good space. We, I mean, I'm a pro at blocking and deleting <laughs> and things. I think that also is something we learned in 2020 is how to do that real well. But I'm not ever going to turn somebody away that wants to have an, an, an honest, open conversation that comes from a space of grace and learning and, and love really at the end of it. Um, I also think it helps that I don't, I'm not an expert on anything. I could count on maybe one hand, maybe three subjects I could talk eloquently about for a very long period of time. And, um, the list of things I am not an expert on is much, much bigger than that. And so, when I share things, it's just to share from our perspective and our thoughts and our story and maybe find something that you resonate with or, and that you can kind of take a little bit of, whether it be humor or empathy or compassion or a different way of thinking about something, if you can take that from what we share, then then I'm happy about that. That's the only that's the only goal when we share our story is to to impact people and maybe bring a little bit of joy and happiness a mm-hmm. little bit of advocacy a little <laughs> bit of inspiration right to the to the world i don't i have a I have a little bit of heartburn with people that um, are in the advocacy space and tend to kind of say stuff like, well, go do your research or go educate yourself. That's extremely hard for me to swallow because as an advocate, that's my job. As an advocate for people with type one, as an advocate for people with disabilities, like my daughter, that's my job is to is to help share my story and to help educate and to create a a community and a place for conversation. And I feel like when I see stuff like that, myself personally, I feel like it's a wall being put up and I'm like, okay, I can't, Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to keep going when I see stuff like that. So I'm very conscious of that too. If people ask me for resources, that's fantastic. I'll share resources all day long. Um, But my first reaction will not be to kind of shut the door and tell them to go do their own research. It'll be like, hey, come on in, sit down at the table. (laughs) Let's sit down at the table. Get some coffee, you know, or an energy drink, whatever your whatever your (laughs) cat is. Right.
1: That's right. Well, that definitely shines and it stands out about you. It really does. I follow a lot of people and I don't feel that way most insta homes that I go to. So
0: that means a lot. That means
1: a lot. Yeah, it's good. But I know that you also get bombarded with hurtful things. Um, would you want to share about one in particular that you shared was about people telling you how to describe your child and the first person language that you've chosen to use, or she's chosen to use is how you describe it. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So she, um, we, this whole thing is a journey, right? Life's a journey. I feel like we learn something new every day. And so, especially as she gets older and becomes more aware of the world and her place in it and um, how she wants to identify, we've made the transition to, to being very comfortable with saying that she is disabled, she has a disability. Um, and we've gotten pushback from people that are not disabled, um, telling us that we need to use different terminology, like people with a disability or, um, differently abled, um, or special needs. And we, I'm a big fan of you, you identify with what you want to identify with. I'm a big fan of you call yourself what you want to call yourself um i'm i'm a diabetic i'm not a person with diabetes i'm not a person with type one i identify as a diabetic and so callie's identified as um somebody that's disabled and so we take the the first person language because it it acknowledges both callie and the impact that her disability has had on her life it 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 values both of those perspectives. And for us, that's what works best. And so, um, I don't think either one is right or wrong. We don't think either one is right or wrong. And sometimes we use them interchangeably. It just really depends. Um, but the chat, the challenges is sometimes, um, making sure, especially in the, the space that we're in, that we're elevating the right voices and we're elevating the people that are actually living the experiences and not, yeah. um, not telling them how they should be identifying as, or not telling them what, what they should be calling themselves or what experiences they should be having, but more so on really raising those voices and those perspectives up and learning from them.
1: Mm -hmm. And then just you giving confidence to ask what language that person prefers. And yeah, like you said, put the give them the
0: voice, give them the platform. Yeah. If you don't know. Exactly. Exactly. We, I always kind of tease people. I'm like, just give them the mic. They'll tell, they'll tell you what, Mm
1: -hmm. just
0: listen, just tell them, just listen. And if you don't know, we, like I said, there, there's so much that I don't know. So I'm going to ask questions too. And I think that if we get more comfortable as a, as a society, maybe asking questions and being Mm -hmm. open to, graceful questions, um, such as what, what terminology should I use? Are you comfortable with this? Is this the right way to say it? What's your perspective on this? And kind of asking those questions because it could be, it could be very different from person to person. So Mm -hmm. I think that, like I said, asking questions and really getting the perspective of the people whose lives are at the center of all of it. I think Mm -hmm. that's really key.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. That's, it makes sense, right? If you yeah. say it that way, yeah. I don't know why it's so hard, why we feel so intimidated or nervous sometimes maybe to ask someone what they think.
0: And I think we see that with, um, we see that with kids a lot. So it comes up, obviously kiddos have like zero filter, <laughs> yeah. zero, zero filter. Right. <laughs> um, but you've, the, what always kind of gets me is the parent's reaction. And so we're real conscious of when we do see stuff like that happen, where the kids will come up and they'll, 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 it's just a normal kid. They're, they're asking questions because they haven't seen something like that before or they're curious or it's different. And so they'll come up and they'll say, you know, well, what's, what's wrong with her leg or what's, what's that, or why does she have that? And so the the parents that I want to like throw my arms around and hug are the ones that that kind of squat down and they don't shush the kid they don't they don't tell them not to ask that they kind of get down on their level and they they're very matter of fact and they're very straightforward and they just explain to them that that just the way you know I walk around on the in the world with two legs, Callie walks around with that prosthetic and that helps her walk. And that's, that's all that is. And they're, they're matter of fact about it. They use positive language. It's not like values based. So it's not, it's not, Oh, poor Uh Callie. It's very much, um, she has a prosthetic and that's how she walks around, you know,
1: just Uh like somebody
0: might use a wheelchair or use a cane or, um, or you use your two legs. That's how she gets around and gets around the world. And then the, the parents that I maybe want to, like I said, kind of wrap my arm around and say, Hey, let's go talk. So I can, I can walk you through how to do this, a little <laughs> better, right? um, are the ones that like shush the kids and like pull them away. And like, it just gives off this. And I know they probably don't mean it. And I know right. it's probably just lack of exposure, maybe. Maybe this is the first time they've they've seen somebody like Callie. Um, but it gives off that that impression that having a disability is something to be shameful, and that it's something that you kind of want to to hide and not talk about. When in, when in reality, it's not. I mean, disability is diversity, and that that's all it is to it. And so the parents, like I said, that just knock it out of the park are the ones that, that are okay with the kids being curious and okay Mm -hmm. with the, the questions. And they, like I said, they're very straightforward and just kind of walk through it. And um, I love it when they ask, is it okay if we ask Callie some questions about it? Because Callie's cool. She doesn't care anymore. Um, Sometimes it bothers her. just depends on her mood, right? Like if it's, if she's hungry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Just, like right, her mama, tired, tired. She's like, I don't want to mess around, with people, right now. I'm hungry. Um, <laughs> but If they ask if if they can ask questions, if the kiddos can ask questions, she'll sit and talk to them all day long about it. I mean, and that's where I think that that magic happens, where that that little bit of curiosity is is met with compassion and empathy and it becomes a learning experience, not just for the kids, but for the parents too. And so, like I said, those, those parents, I want to like high five when that happens, because we, we appreciate that so much. It goes, it goes so far with not only me, but with Callie too, more importantly.
1: Yeah. She seems pretty amazing.
0: She, she is, she's, I mean, you always think as a parent, you're the one that's going to be the teacher and the mentor for your child. And it's the opposite. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's our teacher and our mentor. And um, I've learned more from her in her 12 years than I probably will ever teach her. So yeah, she's, she's amazing. Mm,
1: That's amazing. I wanted to insert on the side, I was going to tell you that I'm an SLP, pediatric oh, okay. <laughs> and yeah. so um, I realized that that may just I don't know
0: yeah but you know who that's you're talking awesome. to yes but, um, yeah and
1: so yeah um, I love it I love all of it and I just cherish everything you're saying about that's all of so that
0: good so
1: well tell me kind of about your mama heart and just you and your life like did you ever see yourself in this Place. What did you see for your life? Oh goodness. You know,
0: this, um, is, this just, journey
1: has taken you into just, such an unexpected place.
0: It has. Did I, did I see this? Absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Um, And it's funny. Somebody asked me one time, they're like, if, if you'd known kind of what your life was going to be and what challenges you were going to have, would you still have like made the same choices and done the same things? And, and I mean, that's a question anybody could ask, right? Like if you could, if you had a crystal ball, would you still make the, make the same (laughs) decisions and, and knowing, I mean, we've walked through some, some hard, hard stuff. Um, But in that, in that hard stuff, there's also been like, amazing amazing moments at the same time so would I give up that hard stuff no I mean not at all because the the good and the amazing and the joy and the the experiences that we have had have made up for all of those things Mm -hmm. and we're at the point now where um I feel like we've kind of got our footing, if that makes sense. So the first, the first few years were very, (laughs) very, very hard. Um, You, I mean.
1: Hard in what way? Like family uh, and medical and.
0: Yeah. So you're dealing with, and granted, this is all retrospective. I didn't even have any idea. This is what it was at the, at the time, but you're dealing with, with grief over, the the life you thought you were gonna have, so I I thought I'd met my prince charming. I thought we were gonna have this like fairy tale life, right? We're gonna you know horse and carriage and you know one point seven children and right? events yeah. and um uh, <laughs> and then you you find out that that's not exactly what is gonna happen. Yeah in the way you thought it was. And so I always, there's this beautiful, I think it's a poem, this beautiful poem. Um, it's called Holland. So they talk about um, when you're a mom and um, you're pregnant and you, they equate it to buying a ticket to Italy. And you're so excited, you're reading all the guidebooks, you're, you're picking out your itinerary, you're learning Italian. And then um, when your baby's born and they have a disability, Mm -hmm. you wake up and you're in Holland and you're like, what in the world? I signed up for a ticket for Italy. I know how to speak Italian. I read all the guidebooks on Italy. I don't know anything about Holland. You know, you're expecting like pizza and this beautiful Italian architecture. But then once you kind of get in and you get settled, you figure out that like, Holland has tulips and Holland has windmills and Holland has amazing cheese. And like all <laughs> of these beautiful things about Holland and you're like, wow, okay. All right. And so now I feel like we're kind of in Holland now <laughs> because <laughs> the, the, the grief process was extremely hard for me. Um, I had a little bit of postpartum too, which probably did not help at all. And then, um, the, the realization for me that prior to, to Callie, I always thought like grief was something that you, you worked through and it had like a start and an end date. Like you walk you, you got to the door and you walk through it and then your grief was gone. Right. That's how, that's how I figured it. Um, and then after having her, it's a, it's not like that at all. There's, there's times where um, it's kind of in the back of my mind and I don't even think about it. And then there are other days where it just kind of knocks me over like a wave. And it's the, Mm -hmm. the realization that it's not a, it's not a done type of thing. It's more of an absorption. Like you absorb that grief and it, it changes who you are and it it changes your your thought process on things and your perspective on things and um so now it's it's realizing that i might have a really hard day 2 months from now because something will happen and it'll remind me of something or we'll go through an experience that is extremely hard and we kind of work through it but it's it's understanding now that in coming kind of to the to the acceptance that it's never going to be something that I get over on. Um, it's just something that we've accepted and, and we work through every day. But um, as a mom, it's, it's hard because sometimes you're like, was this my fault? Did I do something wrong? Like, and then you, you struggle with how much do I, do I let her, experience on her own and make her own mistakes and like how much do I step in and all of the things that every other mom deals with too just compounding and adding to the fact that um there's a disability that we're we're working with too and and it's there's definitely challenging moments but the the beautiful nuggets and and pieces that have happened because of this um far outweigh the challenges and the, the hardships that we've, that we've had to go through. Um, I feel, like I said, I feel like we are, we are hitting our footing and um, now that she's getting a little bit older and she's getting a little bit more active in this space that we're in, um, I'm excited to see like what she gets interested in and how, she, how we can help amplify her voice even more.
1: Yeah, that's, I was curious about that. I mean, where do you want to go with this? What do you see it becoming? And I think I saw she, I don't know if she auditioned for a modeling Mm -hmm. role or if she got it or tell us. Yeah, she's done a,
0: she's done a couple of um, modeling ones, but that's, that's one of the goals that she's got is you very rarely do you see somebody that looks like her in a in a movie, in a TV show, in a print ad, uh, there are some companies that are doing some phenomenal things in that space with um, really being diverse when it comes to people of all of abil- all abilities, which I love. Um, but we got a ways to go on that too, and so yeah. that's definitely one of her goals: is to to kind of break into that space and then um, and then also kind of share that that people with disabilities are just like you and I, they have the exact same needs. They have the exact same wants out of life. And so to, to champion things like accessibility and um, gosh, I could talk for hours on like insurance. Yeah. <laughs> coverages for <laughs> Coverages for her mobility devices and therapies and stuff like that. I could talk for hours on that, but really continue to, to champion that. And then it's even something as small as, is how do we figure out how we can, in our community, make space for people to, to have conversations about this stuff where it's not out of the norm, where we don't see only one person like Callie in a print ad, but we see a lot of people like Callie in a print ad where we see people that have an insulin pump on TV and it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, it's kind of raising that awareness and kind of continuing to advocate and, and really amplify her voice. Cause I can, I can share our stories, but ultimately her voice is going to be 10 times more powerful than mine because she's the one that's living it every day.
1: And so kind of back to my question about you and even though this isn't where you wanted to be, do you feel... I mean, how do you take care of your heart and what gives you hope and what sustains you through all of this?
0: So when I think about it, I think about what I thought I wanted. And then I realize that I'm where I need to be and I'm where I'm needed, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. And so
0: sometimes the universe shuts a door on purpose and opens another one for you. And I think that's what happened in our case. Like I was meant to come to this path. I was supposed to be on this path. I'm supposed to be her mama. We're supposed to be in this space for a reason, because we have a difference to make and there's mm-hmm. something out there bigger than us um, that we have work to do in. And so um, Is that's, it?
1: Do you find it satisfying and fulfilling? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I think back kind of to what I 13, 14 years ago. Um, and I mean, I'll be honest, like I had very shallow, shallow ideas of what success looked like and what, um, making an impact look like and the things that we're doing now and the impact that I'm making no matter how small it is are so much more than what I thought I was going to do and what I thought was going to be successful and what I thought was what I wanted. Um, and, and not only that, it's, it's what I need too. um, she's given me the opportunity to grow in ways that I didn't know was possible. And, um, to, become an even better mom and a better wife um, and a better leader, a better advocate. Um, so I'm grateful to be on this path now, hindsight being 2020. At the start of it, I was probably, probably <laughs> asking that same question 12 years ago. And I'd be like, no, get me off this path. Too, I don't know what to do. Um, this is not the path for me, but <laughs> it, it is. And what's neat is we get to make this our path now. And we have control over Mm -hmm. what we do in this space and the choices that we make and our reaction to things, which I've also learned. Um, We also have the capability I know now to get up no matter how many times we get knocked down. And I Mm -hmm. didn't know that 13 years ago. I had no idea how many times we could get knocked down and get back up. And now that I know... No matter how many times somebody knocks us down, we still get back up and we still fight. Um, I think that's incredibly powerful too. We don't, we always say in our family, like, we don't know how our story is going to end, but we do know. And in none of the chapters will it ever say that we gave up. And so I think it's, I think it's extremely powerful to, have that warrior mindset with everything. I think that we, my husband times 1000, but myself also, we do not take a a victim approach to anything. It's always, it's always pick up your sword and warrior up. And that's, I think what we continue to teach Callie and we continue to try and spread that message. And I think those are things that maybe I needed to learn too, because there were periods before I had Cali where I was like, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna I'm gonna take a break because I can't. <laughs> you no, know, I'm I'm done, I'm tired, I can't. And yeah. there's always a period for rest and a period mm-hmm. for kind of um re-energizing. But um the last 13 years have definitely taught me that we will never say we gave up and that we will. Always, 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 always be warriors.
1: Yeah. Well, I know that God has certainly blessed you and created this beautiful platform that you've worked so hard to establish and has given you a lot of opportunity to share love and what that really looks like and what success looks like. And I know that I'm sure there's been lots of tears and crying out and asking questions but he's been faithful to answer them, it sounds like, yes. and really create yeah. a new path.
0: Yeah, very much so. Very much so.
1: Mm-hmm. So great. Um, so you, I was reading a list of things that you've learned to do, and you said write a book. Have you written a book?
0: So we have a children's book that we finished. So we have, we have two projects that we're working on now. We have a, an ebook that'll probably launch in June. I'm trying to, <laughs> my birthday's in June. So I'm trying to kind of coincide the birthdays, <laughs> yes. the book birthday and my birthday, um, to the ebook, which is kind of a compilation of short stories, um, from our life and our, and our learning and, um, our journey that'll be in June. And then we're currently shopping our children's book that um Callie and I wrote that has um a princess and a prosthetic so I love it yeah we're shopping that now so fingers crossed that'll happen soon too what does that mean you're shopping it so we're sending it to publishers right now so that's fun fingers crossed we find one that likes it oh no doubt about it
1: no doubt about it yeah. And you have a blog. What is the name of that?
0: Yeah. The blogs on um, titled the princess and the prosthetic. That's her. That's our handle on Instagram too, is the princess and the prosthetic. So, yeah. um, that'll be the, the children's book title as well when that gets published. So.
1: Mm, so good. So good. I love it all. Well, it's been amazing hearing all the details and very generous of you. We, we hold it with care. And I know that this is your life and your daughter's life and the way you share it is very generous, truly, but I know that you sharing it creates compassion and invites others into more for their life. So I appreciate that. That means a lot. That's,
0: that's our goal is when we first started on this journey, like I said, 12 years ago, there wasn't, um, there wasn't a community I felt like I could, I could jump into. And and I was desperately searching for one um, to answer questions and to where I felt like um, the experiences that I was having and the feelings that I was having would be a safe place to, to kind of wade in and ask questions and, and um, be accepted in. And so I hope that's what we can create with this is a, is a place for, is not, not only people that um, are disabled or have someone in their life that's disabled or have somebody that's a type one, but maybe just somebody that's going through a hard time or somebody that is looking for some inspiration to, to push a little bit harder and to keep going and to not give up and to to look for that silver lining that's always there. And so hopefully with this, we can, we can be that resource for people.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much.
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Happy to do it.